Praise God. Mm. Thank you, Lord. I love the presence of the Lord that I can feel. Appreciate Him so much, and God's keeping hand on us. So uh, tonight, we're just excited. I, I, you know, we've had a lot of our ministers in this building preaching over the last month or so, and trying to make room for all of them is getting tough because we've got so many preachers, but <laughs> but they are doing such a tremendous job. And they love the church, and so I feel like they they hear from the Lord for our church. I, I, I do believe that, and so they take it seriously when they do come up here. And our our preacher tonight has been preaching overseas mostly, but uh, we're glad she's home for a while, and she's going to preach to us tonight. Sister Jamie, come on tonight. We're so glad to to hear from this wonderful young lady tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. I am very excited to be here and very thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Um, Just with those that are still, you know, shutting down like the the Swalls Church and, and places that haven't even opened back up yet. I'm just thankful that we have this opportunity and I don't ever want to take it for granted because we know we can lose it just like that. Amen. Um. If you'll turn with me to uh, the book of Mark in chapter 10. And while you're turning, I want to say that I'm also thankful for my wonderful pastor and my wonderful pastor's wife. I love you, and you guys are truly just the best and the most incredible. And I'm so thankful for you and thankful for you trusting me. I'm thankful for this opportunity, um, for your love and your protection. Um, I'm also thankful for your correction because I know there were some years there where I was, I was struggling a little bit. But um, I'm thankful for them because um, they're the watchmen on the walls. And they, they see it before we see it. And I'm thankful that they see it and that they can warn us and that they can protect us. Because it's so necessary. And they've, they've kept me from so many things in my life. And I'm so thankful for it. Anyway. Sorry, um, I. That's right. It's right to give give honor to them, and it's okay to cry about your pastor and your pastor's wife sometimes. <laughs> anyway, I am just very excited about what God has today. I know that it is a word from the Lord. Um, I sorry, I won't keep you standing much longer, but I'm the kind of person that. When I lay down in, in bed at night, I go to sleep immediately. That's it. I'm done. And a couple weeks ago, I was up at night just like the Lord was working some things over in my life and in my head and just in this message. And I was like, all right, Lord, if this is a word for rack, then pastor has to, to ask me to preach within the next, it was like three or four days, less than 24 hours later. Pastor asked me to to preach on this Wednesday. So I don't normally try to be very emotional. But I know that God has something for us today. I know that he has a word for us today. And I want us to be open and receive it. So if you'll read with me Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. And it says, now as he was going out on the road... One came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? 
So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Pray with me tonight. Jesus, we worship you and we magnify you. God, we thank you for your presence, God, that we've already felt in this place today. We thank you, Lord, because we know that you have a word for us, God. We're asking you to just have your way in this service, Lord. Let your will be done in the rest of it, God. I pray that you will pour out a fresh anointing on me, God, that you will use me to deliver this word. God, I pray that you will touch every heart in this building, God. Let us be open to hear what you have for us, God, and let us receive it and take it with us, Jesus. We worship you and we magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Clap your hands as you're seated tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to start tonight with a little story. Um, And the reason for this story is because sometimes a personal illustration can help us to apply what God is trying to say to us individually. So, as many of you know, a few, week, a few weeks ago, two of my friends from Bible college came to visit. And we had a trip to Savannah planned, so we got up one morning and drove straight down to Tybee because we were like, we're going to do this, it's going to be so much fun. Um, so we got up, of course we had to get Golden Pantry biscuits because that's a necessity when you get up before the sun does, and sometimes after. Um, <laughs> so we drove straight down to Tybee. And we explored and hung out, you know, did the whole Tybee thing. And um, after spending most of the day on the beach, we decided to head back to our Airbnb, check in, and get settled and get ready for supper. So we hadn't made any plans for that. We were like, it's fine. We can just walk toward the river, find a place. No big deal, right? Just pretty simple and easy. We'll see a spot that looks good. That's the one, and we'll go eat. Not at all simple, because the three of us are all non-confrontational people pleasers. So the whole time, it was like, I don't know, what do you guys think? I don't know, what, maybe, I don't know, what are you feeling? What do you, I don't, I don't want to make the decision. It's, whatever you guys want. For a long time. So, finally, we just sat down on a bench and decided, We'll get out our phones and just look it up. We're scrolling, and then we finally found a place, and this is why we decided on it. They claim to have the original chicken tenders. So I was like, obviously, this is what I need in my life right now is the original chicken tenders. So we pull it up on our phone's GPS. It's like a five-minute walk. Perfect. Great. We set out on our way to get these chicken tenders. Right into a story, right? Except we didn't find it. We wandered and wandered and walked, and the phone GPS was like, you're, you know, right on top of it. And we're like, there's literally nothing here where it's not here. So we walked, trying to find it. We went down some stairs by the river, 
just down some sketchy alleyway. Maybe it's down here, guys. I don't know. Back up the stairs, across the road, down the street, back across the road, back down the stairs. It was a fiasco, and this went on for much longer than I want to admit. But it ended up that we were like, you know what? We'll just split up. I told them, you two, go over there, look in that direction. I'm going to go back down these stairs for the 15th time, and I'm going to look down there. So I get down, and I'm walking down the street. I'm like, surely it's got to be around here somewhere. But my phone, if you know my phone, it dies within five minutes, and so of being 100%. So I was like, it's at 3%. I'm not going to make it much further. I've split up from them. If I keep looking, I might never find them again, or I can turn back now. So I was like, fine, I'll just turn back. And as I turn, I look, and I see them both with just the goofiest grins walking in my direction. And I was like, okay, what happened? They're like, we found it. It's right here. I kid you not, it was the next door down from me. The next door down from me. And I was like, seriously, it was this close, and I just missed it. Just a few more steps, and I would have been right there. I had stopped just short of the thing that I had been looking for. It was just right outside of my line of sight. But because I couldn't see it, I decided to give up. So when it came down to it, I valued my level of comfort and security over what I had been searching for. And I decided that I couldn't afford it. I decided it's not worth it for me. And that's what I'm preaching on today is I can't afford it. Because that's what the rich young ruler did. He was this close. And he said, I can't afford it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can't afford it. So back in Mark uh, 10 and 17, it says, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher or good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So this man came running to Jesus. Now, I don't know about any of y'all, but it's got to be real important if I'm running. My high school track days are long gone. So if I'm running, y'all probably should be too. So it had to be important for this man if he was running to Jesus. Then he calls Jesus good teacher or good master, depending on uh, the version that you read. So Jesus then asks, why do you call me good? So he wasn't disagreeing with the man. He was making sure that they were on the same page about who Jesus is. Jesus was seeing if this man knew exactly who he was talking to. So that word good in the Greek is agathos and can mean a multitude of things like happy, agreeable, Um, pleasant, useful, distinguished, upright, and honorable. So Jesus was checking what he meant. You say good, but do you mean I'm happy and agreeable? Or are you acknowledging that I am the only one that is good? Jesus wasn't being combative, but he needed to know where this man was coming from. 
The reason why is where we're coming from determines where we're going. And I don't mean that in the natural. Y'all know I come from Oglethorpe. But I mean, if we don't see God for who he is, if if we're not coming to God knowing fully who he is, we will never make it anywhere. If we're not knowing that he is the only God and the only one who is good, then he knows that we're not going to receive whatever it is he's trying to teach us. He's trying to change in us. And then if we refuse to see Jesus as the ruler over our lives personally, because he's not just the creator of the universe, he's the creator of you and me, then we will never truly be changed. So the rich young ruler called Jesus good master or good teacher. That word master or teacher is didaskalos or something like that. So this word was used to describe someone who teaches concerning the things of God. And Jesus used this word to describe himself, but he used it to mean one who showed the way of salvation. So when this man called him good teacher, Jesus took a second to understand. He said, I'm trying to figure out where you're coming from. Was this rich man going to receive the teachings that Jesus had that would give him eternal life? Or was he just asking a happy educator what he thought he should do? And he was thinking that this educator would give him a nice, happy little answer that would fit his lifestyle in that moment. So when we address the ministers or the good teachers in our lives, do we see them as someone who's going to say, a little happy something, make us feel a little bit better, you know, get us going and then we can go eat after church, right? Or do we see them as someone who's trying to give us something that's going to get us to heaven? Someone who is trying to save our souls. Because that's what these good teachers are to us. They are trying to reach for us. That's what Jesus is to us. You see, people will hear God-anointed teaching and preaching and not receive it because they discount the value of the vessel. That's exactly what this man did. He didn't see Jesus as one who was trying to save his soul. He was just like, you're a pleasant educator. You're happy and agreeable, and you're just going to help me along a little bit. This man was hoping for an answer that would just perfectly fit into his life the way that it was. It might call him a, call, or, um, it might be like you know, $20. It, it wouldn't be a whole lot. It's not going to cost him much, right? Maybe just a little money, just a throw in the offering. And then on he would go to live his life the way that he always had, the way that he always wanted to, and nothing legitimate would ever change. But you see, we can't come to Jesus and expect to keep everything that we brought with us. It's going to cost you something when you come to Jesus. So scripture continues, and Jesus instructs the rich young ruler to follow the commandments. And this man says, look, Jesus, I've been doing that since I was a kid. Like, that's nothing new to me, you know. I think I'm already pretty good. I go to church. I pray sometimes. 
I do good, good stuff. It's fine. Just slap another one of those that thou shalt nots in there, and I'll be on my way. But then verse 21 says, Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. This man, maybe he was truly hungry for Jesus, because after all, he did run to him. Or maybe he was just arrogant. Either way, Jesus loved him. And Jesus wasn't trying to be mean or single him out or anything. He saw him, and he understood him, and he loved him right where he was. Because even when we have the worst intentions, even when we're doing the worst things, Jesus still looks at us, and he loves us in spite of every bit of it. Would this man receive it? Well, we read the whole thing at the beginning, and we know that he doesn't. But Jesus knew that outcome, too. Before this man even showed up, Jesus knew the outcome. But he told him anyway. He loved him that much that he took the chance, and he knew this man's going to reject me. He knew there's no way he's going to receive it, but he loved him so much that he said, I'm going to take the chance anyway. Jesus tells the man to sell everything he has and give that money to the poor. Get rid of everything. Everything. There's an insert in one of my Bibles that says, the man who almost had it all. But to have it all, we have to lose the rest. So whatever you're holding on to, is it worth missing heaven over? Is the anger or the bitterness or the pride or the fear, is it worth losing heaven over? Is the job or the TV show or the physical possessions or the relationship, is it worth losing heaven? You see, even good things turn bad when they take Jesus' place. He has got to be our top priority. Nothing, and I tell you, nothing is worth missing eternity with him. To have it all, we've got to lose the rest. All our stuff, all our money, all our addictions, all our relationships, even our families can get in the way of Jesus. They cannot become more important than Him. The promises of God cannot become more important than Him. He's the one giving the promises and the blessings to us. But we have a really bad habit of seeking those instead of Him. Nothing is more precious than him, and nothing takes precedence over him. You see, Abraham prayed for years for the son that God promised him. When he finally had Isaac, he loved him so much. So much that he began to love him more than anything else. And maybe he began to say things like, Lord, I'll, I'll pray later. Right now, my son needs me, which in itself 
is fine. Situations happen. We know things happen. But the problem comes when later never comes. And then our time with God is traded out for other things. God didn't give Abraham a son so he would have a fishing buddy. He gave him a son so that he could teach him about God and about how great God is and about God's glory and about how to worship God. He gave him that son so that when Abraham was gone, there would be someone to carry on for the next generation. God didn't give Isaac to Abraham for that promise to become more important than God. Your promise from God isn't just a blessing for your life. It is to fulfill his will and his purpose in your life. So even good things can keep us far from God when they consume our thoughts, when they take over our actions, and when they just take over our whole lives until we care more about those things than God. We care about more about our time with the promises of God than our time with God. We care more about what the creator has given us than the creator himself. We have to stop convincing ourselves and rationalizing with God that we can't afford to let these things go. I can't afford to let it go, God. You gave it to me. I can't afford to let it go. It's really not that bad. I'll I'll try next week. I, I can't afford to do it right now. These things are holding us back. We can let them go. But more importantly, we have to let them go. Because soon, we'll be out of time to make that choice. The last thing that Jesus said to this man was, take up the cross and follow me. Has anyone ever wondered why Jesus told this man and others at other points to take up the cross when Jesus hadn't yet been to the cross. See, the cross for us is a symbol of eternal life. It's a, it's a symbol of the, the promises of God and the great things of God. But to them, to them back then, it was an instrument of death. They knew that once they took up that cross, there was no turning back. Once they took up that cross, they would have to leave everything else behind. Being crucified, it was humiliating. It was painful and unsettling. It was demeaning and completely uncomfortable. Because it was 100% a form of torture. So how can we expect our cross that we take up every day to be any different? How can we expect to take up the cross and not go through the pain of taking up the cross? We're going to go through the humiliation. We're going to go through the pain. It's going to be demeaning sometimes. We're going we're gonna to struggle. But it's okay. It's not going to be easy, but it's not supposed to be. In Mark 8, 34 through 37, just a few chapters over it says when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also he said to them 
Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? There is nothing that I want to give in exchange for my soul. There is nothing that is worth eternity. There is nothing that is worth it. How do we think that Jesus can make the ultimate sacrifice for us? But we think we're going to get by without sacrificing anything for him. Well, God, I sacrificed all the bad stuff I used to do. What about the good things in your life that are keeping you from him? What about the just everyday average stuff that's keeping you from him? We can't carry the cross and the pleasures of this world at the same time. We can't carry the cross and our anger and our guilt at the same time. We can't carry the cross and these other things at the same time. That bitterness, that ungodly relationship, we can't carry them at the same time. Because ultimately, at some point in time, one of them is going to have to be laid down. And unfortunately, a lot of times, people make the wrong choice and they lay the cross down. They think, oh, this cross is so heavy. This little bit of bitterness I have, it's not that bad. It's, it's perfectly right here in this chip on my shoulder. But they don't realize as soon as they lay that cross down, it was the only thing keeping that bitterness from consuming them. And then they're stuck in their house. They don't want to leave. All they want to do is get on Facebook and complain about people and complain about situations. Listen, complain to anybody that will listen. And the only people that do listen are the ones who are complaining as well. They don't want to let their grievances go. They don't want to pick up the cross. And I don't want that to be us. I don't want that to be any of us. I don't want one little thing to keep us out of heaven. The littlest thing, I don't want to let it keep me out of heaven. I know we've been hurt. I know church hurt is a real thing. Trust me, I know. But I don't want it to keep me I don't want it to keep us from him. There is nothing that is worth missing eternity with him. I don't care what it is. I don't care how badly you've been hurt. I don't care how mad you are. I don't care what anybody said. There is nothing that is worth missing eternity with him. We have to lay that stuff down and pick up the cross before it's too late. Whatever you're holding on to, if it's good or if it's bad, it's time to lay it down before it's too late. Now is the time. I can't, I can promise you that there is nothing that is worth it. Let me put it this way. There is nothing that is worth going to hell for. And I don't want to come across rude or mean, but I'm trying God has given me this word for this church. Yeah. 
And I trust that and I believe that. So I'm telling you, there is nothing that is worth going to hell for. Time is so short. Jesus could come back any day. He could come back any minute. He could come back before I finish. We don't have time to waste. So it's time that we take inventory of our lives. I don't know if any of you remember those old, those checkbook registers that people used to use. I never did. We need to use something like that for our lives and not say things like, oh, I spent too much on food this month. That's me. But I didn't spend enough time in prayer this week. I spent too much time talking about people instead of praying for them and reaching for them. Instead of praying for God's will in my life, I spent my time trying to fit my will into what he's already doing. I spent my time praying to him like he's my own genie, but he's not. We have to take inventory of ourselves and examine ourselves. It's too close to leave it to chance. There's not going to be a second chance. Now is the time. We can't say I'll start Monday because this week's really busy for me. We can't say, oh, maybe tomorrow I can get it right. Now is the time. Today, right now is the time. We have been having incredible moves of God in our church lately. But don't mistake a a move of God on Sunday or Monday or Wednesday for a relationship with him on Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Those days count as well. Sometimes it's like, God, I felt you on Sunday, but by Tuesday, my whole life was just in shambles. And he's saying that's because Sunday was the only day that you truly had me at the center of your life. Sunday was the only day that I was really the focus. Every other day, you were worried about your money. You were worried about this promise. You were worried about a husband or a wife. You were worried about these other things, and you never even bothered to talk to me. If he's only the center of your Sunday, and every other day is for you, I hate to tell you this, but you won't make it. And I'm sorry if that's harsh or mean. I really don't want it to be. But I'm trying to shake us. I'm trying to move us. I'm trying to save us. And not just every one of you, but myself too. Trust me, God has been working me over on this. He's been telling me that I'm missing it in some places. He's got to be the center of our lives. He's got to be the center of my life regardless of everything else. It doesn't matter if I'm broke. It doesn't matter if I'm tired and hungry and single. It doesn't matter. All that matters is Jesus. For anyone who's wondering, I'm unsure about next week, much less the next six months or when I'm going to go back to wherever. I have absolutely no clue, but it doesn't matter because all I know is that Jesus has got to be my everything. He is still on the throne and he is still reigning and he is still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Even when I have no idea what's going on, even when my entire life is going crazy, he is still everything. 
I still have to have him. Don't become confident in yourself just because God is using you. That doesn't mean that you're okay. We still have to examine ourselves. God used a donkey and a burning bush. So it doesn't matter if he's using you in this moment. You still have to check yourself. Pastor was speaking recently about Samson. Samson got too attached with that anointing and he just thought it would always be there. And he said, I'm going to go out anyway. He didn't even realize that God had left him and it cost him everything. David got too trusting in who he thought that he was supposed to be and he didn't trust God anymore and it cost him that child. Jessica and I were talking the other day and she said, God's anointing does not equal his approval. So just because you're anointed does not mean that that he is approving what is going on in your life. We still have to examine ourselves. We still have to be okay every single day of our lives. We can't skip a day because what if he comes back that day? Be careful how much stock you're putting in his anointing over him. He is almighty and all-powerful. He can use whatever and whomever he chooses. But that doesn't guarantee that you are okay. And that doesn't guarantee your place in heaven. Matthew 7, 22 and 23. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be this church. I want each and every one of us to make it. Please don't just assume you're okay just because he's anointed you or just because he's using you or just because he's promised you something. Music, you can come. And if you'll stand with me. I promise you that I'm not trying to be harsh right now. I'm not trying to be mean. That last part in Mark 10, 22 says that that man went away sad because he had great possessions. He was sad about all his stuff. He just missed eternity and he was sad about his stuff. There is nothing, there is nothing that is worth it. This whole time in that portion of scripture, we don't know his name. We only know him as the rich young ruler. That's because his identity was rooted in what he had. And I don't want that to be me. I want my identity rooted in Jesus Christ. I don't want my identity rooted in the things that I used to be. In my negative traits. I want to give all of that to God. He couldn't get rid of his stuff. Because then who would he be? 
he would have been the Lord's. But he thought that he couldn't afford it. There are things in life that define us because we let them. We're too afraid to lay them down and simply be his. I'm telling you right now that we can't afford to not lay it all down. We can't afford to not let it all go. And we can't afford to not make it to heaven. There is no thing, there is no place, there is no promise of God, there is no anointing, there is no stuff, and there is no person that is miss, that is worth missing eternal life with Jesus. Nothing is worth it. If you love it more than God, it's not worth it. If you look to it more than you look to God, it's not worth it. If you hope for it more than you hope for God, it's not worth it. It's not worth having. And if right now you're trying to rationalize something within yourself and you're saying, you know what, God, is really not that big of a deal. If it wasn't that big of a deal, you would have laid it down already. He is coming back so soon. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, he will be back. Life for us will be going on just as normal. And then just like that, all of a sudden, time's up. Don't leave it to chance. Make sure that you are ready right now. I don't want to be caught off guard saying, I knew he was coming, but I thought I had more time. I knew he was coming, but I thought I'd at least, you know, accomplish this and this and this. I knew he was coming, but I thought I'd have a day to pray. We're not going to hear a pre-trumpet before we hear the real trumpet. We can't afford to wait, and we can't afford to hold on to anything that is trying to take his place in our lives. If you feel him drawing you, the altar is open now. And if your dreams have become too important, come lay them down. If the vision you have for your life is becoming more important than God's vision, lay it down. If you're focused more on the promise of God than God himself, give it back to him right now. If you're overcome, with anxiety, hatred, addiction, anger, bitterness, self-doubt, depression. You're overcome with anything. Give it to God right now. As you're praying, I want to tell you that God's not scared of your negative emotions. He's not scared of the things that you hide from everybody else. They don't frighten Him. Give it all to Him. Don't leave it for another day. Don't let anything come between you and him. You can afford to let it go, but you can't afford to keep it. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah.
your voice and just pour out of your heart and just confess your love for him tonight tell him you love him come on out of your heart remember what he's done for you and tell him how much you love him hallelujah remember where he found you tell him how much you love him thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Praise God. Thank you, God. Oh, we praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. What an incredible word tonight. And I believe she was right on. I believe that the Lord was speaking to the church tonight, this congregation especially. God's let us know over the last few weeks that he's going to be showing up and doing things and moving in our midst. And I don't want to have the one who can do it all in a place speaking. 
know, that young man had the life of all men speaking right to his face. And he missed it. I won't miss it. When she was singing that song, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And I, I remembered that the Lord told the churches in the book of Revelation, said, the thing I've got against you is you left your first love. I wonder if that young ruler, you know, not many people want to keep the commandments of the Lord unless they love him. That was, they were trained up like that. He was a young Jewish man. Here's the first commandment, that you would love the Lord your God. And then, and that you would serve him, keep his commandments. And so he said, I've done this for my youth. I, I was taught, but somewhere he left his first love because it just became about the ritual of doing it because he didn't recognize the one that gave it right in front of him. Sister, that was tremendous. Tremendous word tonight. What a reminder to examine ourselves and challenge ourselves and to remember. There's so many good little points in there. I'll tell you, I, I can't wait to listen to that again on the podcast and just go through that again, pick it apart again. It was just so many good little things, points that were just hitting like, hey, 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 pay, pay attention. Did the Holy Ghost touch you several times during that and say, hey, listen. <laughs> that's, that's what I kept thinking. Okay, yeah, I'm listening, I'm listening. I'm glad that God's mindful of his people. We are going to make it. But I tell you, like she said, we can't afford not to lay it all down and follow him. That's the only way it works. What a word. Give him another hand clap of praise tonight. Thank you for the word. I'm telling you, our, our, our young ladies and young men that are preaching are doing such a tremendous job. I'm so thankful for them tonight. Let Sister Jamie know how much you appreciated this word tonight. God's good to us. We're going to have a tremendous time Sunday. You, you come expecting God to move in a mighty way, but don't wait for Sunday to pray. Don't wait for Sunday to seek the Lord. Let's take tonight and Thursday and Friday and Saturday to be getting ready for Sunday. Sunday's the day we get with it. Amen. Praise God. Love you tonight. God bless you. Be safe going home. We love you in Jesus' name.